Hello and welcome to May I Have This Dance, a podcast from the Human Awareness Institute or Hi Among Friends. We're here because we love having real, rich, juicy conversations with people. We strip down with the people we interview, figuratively and only sometimes literally, to the undercurrent of what it means to be human through the lens of love, intimacy, and sexuality. As an organization, HI is a place to explore and embrace our humanness. Obviously, a podcast can't replace our workshops, but we do hope that in these interviews you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Shall we get started with the interview? Let's do it! Here we are at the uh, season finale of um, of season two of May I Have This Dance, and it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? I think when we started this season, um, you know, we weren't in a pandemic, <laughs> and so uh, it feels like it's uh, it's dragged on forever. I know, and we just released um, an episode this morning uh, with uh, with Dixie, which is was such a fun episode to. Um, to, to work on and yeah so Kate and I just figured that we would um, get together and have a bit of a chat about what it's been like over the last couple of months and what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Wrapping up season two you, you I laughed because you said that it felt long and I was about to say man that flew by. Um, <laughs> it has felt long this whole year has felt like a century but the fact that we're already through season two feels kind of mind-blowing to me. Yeah I suppose that's uh that's fun. I spoke to a high person, um, somebody I met at a workshop, and actually had a really beautiful connection um, with with a whole bunch of firsts. So, uh, Jared, if you're listening, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really powerful connection, and actually, it was really fun to catch up with him. And he was like, "Oh, so." Uh, how many episodes have you done now? And I had to think, and I was like, I think about 20. And I was like, holy cow. So yeah, I think we've done about 20 episodes. Yeah, 20 episodes in. And what a season, season two has been. I have just really enjoyed it. I feel like we just keep upping our game and our guests just continue to be so wonderful and present and and vulnerable with us and and funny and insightful. And uh, it's been such a joy. I think we have this wonderful luxury, really, which is uh, the kind of people who are willing to come on a podcast and talk about uh, love, intimacy, intimacy and sexuality mm-hmm. are kind of, per definition, <laughs> kind of wonderful humans. Because, I mean, it's a, it's a vulnerable thing to be allow yourself to go out on, on, on record and speak about, you know, mm-hmm. vulnerable topics to, to the world. That's true. How has this podcast shaped how you speak and be has it shifted your own sense of uh i don't know vulnerability and within your life other than just what you end up bringing to the show hmm that's a really good question Hmm. i think for me the i am not a particularly sex positive person and as i'm saying that out, out loud i'm realizing that's not even true I guess I've just not really been that outspoken out in the world um, talking about um, relationships and vulnerability and sexuality and that kind of stuff. And it's been a really interesting journey to explore for myself. You know, as I'm saying this out loud, I'm kind of filtering on the fly because I'm realizing some of the stuff I don't want the universe to necessarily know. And that is then balanced with my desire to be really open and vulnerable and sharing there's this perennial conflict that comes up for me where I really want to, um, I want to share, I want to be 
you know, lead by example. And at the same time, I'm like, nah, I don't need to say this on a podcast kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think there's wisdom in that balance. You know, I think, so I'll just say from my own experience, I've experienced you open and blossom in this space. Hmm. I experienced you as being, um, yeah, more readily interested, I should say, or more readily available to share kind of uh, where you're at. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the the sticky, yummy details of your sex life by any means, but even just how you are emotionally. I've seen you become really present over the course of the last two seasons. And also, if your sex life is sticky, then I recommend more lube. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> but I also appreciate, I also appreciate your, your, the way you just framed what you said uh, occurred to me as a balance of stretching yourself and becoming more vulnerable and available to people such that you can be intimate with them, mm. balanced with an awareness of, yeah, and some things in my life are private and that's okay. Yeah, totally. And I think this has been an evolution for me too. I mean, I am relatively new to high. Um, I am relatively new to um, many aspects of, you know, uh, even talking out loud about uh well pretty much every topic that high covers so you know like talking to people about love has not really ever been a thing that's come up with me you know it's not yeah it's never really been a topic of discussion even with pretty close friends it's 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 not that it was taboo but it was just it never came up mm -hmm. and then i mean intimacy and sexuality was definitely never on the cards i mean i have a whole bunch of close friends but I think with most of them, you know, I've never really talked about sex until about a year ago when I, you know, um, found high, when I started to really engage more. And um, <laughs> I was listening back to one of our early episodes where I say the word sex, but there's like this really brief pause before I do. <laughs> and I can kind of catch myself like, oh, can I say that word? Yes, I can say that word into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was realizing that the first time we met for the first photo shoot we did together was July last year, 2019. Uh, Is that just a year ago? Just a year ago, right? So yeah, when I think about... Jumping Jesus on a pogo stick. <laughs> a year? It's like a lifetime f feels to me like fit within that year. And certainly within our friendship and within this podcast. So, Well, yeah, because I mean, our friendship has really evolved as well over that year. You know, we've, um, I think we've only met in person like three or four times, but mm -hmm. through the podcast, through the work we've done on creating the Facebook group and uh, the, the regular friend check-ins and stuff, it feels like it's been a... Yeah, there's been a lot of evolution in there. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and you know, I hear you say that these topics maybe didn't come up so much in your previous friendships or your, your intimate relationships so much, but it's kind of hard for me to believe because I experienced <laughs> you as so open and willing to share with me, you know, it's been a big year for you. You've been through a lot and uh, I've been yeah. honored at how open you've been with me about the, the roller coaster of, of joy and, and challenge and uh, heartbreak and, and success that you've been through in the last 12 months. Yeah, it's been a, it has definitely been a pretty big year. And um, in so many different uh, dimensions, you know, and I feel like um, it's been interesting. So we started recording this podcast quite a long time ago before the first episode even went out. And um, yeah, it feels like there's definitely been a lifetime uh, yeah. of evolution and change and that kind of stuff. And 
And I think all of that, of course, is highlighted by the fact that we're in the middle of a massive pandemic, but also quite apart from that, it's it's been... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of evolution. How are you doing since the pandemic? I, I know you've been at home in Oakland, kind of cooped up quite a bit. Uh, how has your relationships been since being online almost exclusively? I've kind of lost a couple of friends. Like one of my best friends is a wonderful, wonderful dude who, I don't know, we never really found a good pattern of online communication. Um, and I don't really know... I don't I don't know if that's just not his thing or whether we're just not really that compatible when it comes to digital communication because our pattern pattern used to be like we meet up maybe once or twice a week and go and sit in a pub or sit in a wine bar mm. and um and drink and chat together and he was one of the people that I really did um open up to about lots of different things happening in my life and you know talking about uh, intimacy love sexuality etc and had some really vulnerable conversations about about things that people generally don't talk about, you know, specifically about, um, you know, things like uh, well, sexuality, for example, about racism in the US, around lots of other really big topics that I just couldn't wrap my head around. And um, I miss him. I miss him a lot. It's his birthday this weekend. And, mm. you know, I think I might be able to sneak in a, a socially distant visit to go give him his present, but I miss him. And, you know, that is one relationship that hasn't really survived being digital only. Mm. And then there's a whole bunch of others that have flourished in ways that I couldn't, couldn't have expected. Like, um, there's a friend, kind of a, a vague acquaintance that I had, uh, met at an event, uh, about three or four years ago that at some point at the beginning of the pandemic messaged me with a joke about science or something like that, because I commented on our Facebook. And um, we ended up having a really interesting conversation back and forth. And so we've spoken on the phone probably every other week since then. And it's been a relationship that essentially didn't exist mm. before this. But now there's been like this really wonderful kind of uh, connection that has, that has evolved purely digitally and I, I think that's really yeah interesting so like we we operate on a on a frequency where digital communication is very fruitful and uh and and good so we've done some zoom calls we've done some just normal phone calls we send some text back and forth every now and again and that feels that feels really different you know i've noticed in my own life that to some extent, I mean, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but I've noticed that the pandemic and being in isolation has in some ways given me permission to reach out more extensively to people who really truly are far away from me. Like I've rekindled friendships with people in college from my college years, mm. uh, family members who live in California, who were FaceTiming more often or doing zoom calls more regularly people who like, I didn't have as much contact as I probably would have liked because we lived in a different state is like totally blossoming. Mm. But then the friends that we would have over for dinner every Friday night or whatever, you know, that we'd saw all the time in person, it's been a strange transition to tech. Like we don't do it with them. So there, it's like it, this reverse of the people that we never really saw in person were an easy transition. Yeah. Yeah. And the people that were in our lives in person were harder for us to transition to online. I guess that makes sense. I mean, those are just the dynamics you have, right? With the people you see regularly in person. Right transitioning that to a digital relationship is real hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm now in a really funny place where um, I've started a new company um, that is doing digital events and stuff. And 
crikey it's been a hell of a journey um and especially because we kind of started like the company was running for a little bit already i joined a little bit later but i joined during the pandemic and it has been crazy it has been absolutely crazy to um, start something brand new in the middle of all of this but also i've hired two people i worked with at one of my previous companies and what we found was that we are able to work extremely well together remotely but only because we have spent a god-awful amount of hours in a pub together in the past. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of new dynamics that people usually don't explore that now exist. Um, and, you know, the, the curious person in me thinks that's fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. And the person just needs a fucking hug. It's really sad. Yeah, I think that if it were coming out of a, a not a place of crisis, it might ultimately be a little bit of a different experiment but uh mm -hmm. yeah the, the fact that a lot of times our online connections are out of necessity and not out of choice uh yeah. so to speak yeah it can be tough for sure kate i'd like to know a little bit more about um for the friends that you've been able to reconnect with like what does that communication entail for you is it like you schedule something and you do a zoom or is it like you pick up the phone and you randomly call somebody you haven't spoken to in a while or how yeah. does that actually pan out yeah well it varies uh i think something that has been really special in the last few months that's pretty unique is that my family my chosen family so I grew up in a, a conscious community and within that, my parents and I uh, created really strong bonds with a few different family members that came together and we formed this little chosen family. And hmm. uh, we've been a chosen family for almost 15 years and that's a pretty good chunk of my life. Um, it's this really special little uh, group of people and we meet regularly throughout the year. We'd spend Christmas together, birthdays. I mean, it's just, it truly is kind of my nuclear extended family. Um, but you know, and, and we had a, a honeymoon phase that lasted a very long time. You know, we all got along perfectly and just were in bliss whenever we got together for holidays for about five or six years. And then, uh, you know, interpersonal conflict started to come up and we started navigating some big, tough, uh, conversations and sense of like, who's sharing space with who, and, um, you know, what happens when someone wants to bring someone into the family that we don't get along with. So there was mm -hmm. all this kind of like interesting dynamics that I think happen in normal families, but it just was challenging because with a chosen family, there was this sense of, do I belong? Will I continue to be accepted and wanted by this extended group? You know, and I'm kind of speaking for all of us because at, at various different points in time, I think every single individual in this group grappled with their sense of ownership of the family and their sense of belonging. So, uh, we're, we're close to 15 years now. Um, and we've decided during this pandemic to set aside really conscious time once a week to actually build out our agreements and our mission and our vision for our family. And, uh, it's led to all this really fruitful conversations around what, is the family we want and what does it mean to be committed to each other as a group? And, mm -hmm. um, so that's been one really amazing thing. And we, we all live in different parts of the world. So to have regular weekly connection with each other on zoom is, uh, really new for us. So that's been one really big fun thing that's come forward. Um, that feels like a really big and powerful exercise 
both in choosing who you want to be around, which of course mm -hmm. is a the topic of choice is is an important one, mm -hmm. um, but also um, how to navigate all of those dynamics, and especially when you can't just sit somebody down and say, "Hey, let's let's hash this out together." in person over a cup of hot chocolate or whatever. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, we're bonded like family is, but I actually, you know, most families are born into their family. Most people are born into their family. So, you know, this conscious slowing down of, well, what are the values that we all hold that bring us together? And what our agreements are about how to be in with one another. It, it, we really needed it, but it's taken us till this point to actually create it for ourselves. And it, to me, it's created so much more stability and connection and sense of um, community among the 10 of us. So I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I highly recommend that even biological families, you know, spend a little bit of time talking about this, you know, what, what is our family mean to each of us and what do we hope to get out of this family? And, uh, you know, there's an opportunity there that I think most people don't take. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people forget that they have a choice around their family too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that that is something that, um, you know, the whole blood is thicker than water, you know, family comes first and all that is, you know, true to a degree. I feel like people, or I don't even know, maybe we should examine that too, but mm -hmm. I mean, you have a responsibility to people you put into this world, I suppose, <laughs> because <laughs> you know a baby yeah. doesn't have a choice. Right. But beyond that, you know, once once somebody is old enough to stand on their own feet, um, yeah, maybe there is maybe there is more of a more of a, a choice that should be possible. That actually reminds me of a of a good friend of mine who um, who got married to his uh, bonnie last wife, um, not legally, um, but they decided to do a, a hand fasting, hmm. and um, they did a hand fasting that was valid for one year. What will you explain what that is? What's a hand fasting? A hand fasting is like a pagan ceremony where you uh, like you put your hands on top of each other and somebody puts a ribbon around your hands, kind of symbolizing tying together the the hands that are holding each other. Okay. It's a beautiful ceremony, and often, you know, you have two hands holding something that that matters something to them. So, for example, the two, like, uh, if the two of us, us were to get hand fasted, we might hold a bouquet of flowers together that we've chosen or gone and picked, or we might hold the key to a house together, or something that is like symbolic of the relationship. Okay. And then somebody does the ceremony and ties a ribbon around that anyway, and. Um, and that becomes kind of the symbol. But they put an expiration on it and said, look, um, we have both had very complicated lives and I want to commit to you for a year. And I welcome everybody to, who wants to, to come back here one year from now for us to recommit for another year if we want to and to not if we don't. Mm. And for them, that was like a symbol of choosing to be in relationship for a year and saying, look, I will commit to you for a year. You know, no matter what happens, we'll figure it out. We'll work it out. And if at the end of that year we say, you know what, this doesn't feel good anymore, then that might be a, a, a break point. So it's almost like a contract with a break clause, mm -hmm. um, which in one way sounds incredibly unromantic, but I found the pragmatism of it actually deeply, deeply moving. Yeah, we, we have a family friend who... Uh, was married for quite a while and they had an agreement where it's, I guess it's slightly different from what you're speaking to where they have to kind of opt in again, but there was an mm -hmm. evaluation every year, kind of like, let's check in, let's see where we're going. Do we, are we, are we in for another year? Similar idea. And they hit a patch 
uh, I don't know how many years into their marriage, but it was quite a few, you know, upwards of 10 years. And they hit a patch of, of really rough marital problems. You know, they were dealing with stepchildren that were, you know, challenging on both sides of the equation. And, uh, I remember speaking to the woman, her name was Jan and just a sweet woman. They're both beautiful people. And she was saying, you know, our conversation about whether to re-up is coming up mm-hmm. and what do we do here? And in an interesting way, knowing that that conversation was coming actually motivated them mm-hmm. to work through the shit such that when the time came to have that conversation, they were able to say, yes, I want to recommit. And I thought that was so interesting because for those of us who just say, yeah, today's the day I commit to you for the rest of my life, there's kind of no tension around maintaining a sense of uh, cleanness in the relationship and and functionality. You know, you could kind of sit on top of resentment or bitterness for indefinitely if you wanted to. uh, And many people do, you know. Well, there's Dan Savage's famous story of his his grandmother who, uh, you know, who had a successful marriage because she decided not to get a divorce and had and was unhappy for 35 years. Right. You know, it's like, well, that doesn't sound like success to me. Right. <laughs> it's kind of his gag. But yeah. that's I mean, there's something really deep and true underneath that. You know, if you don't get the depth of connection and the depth of um of of uh, if it doesn't add anything to your life then it's worth reconsidering yeah and at the same time i also think there's something really beautiful about being committed to a relationship and deciding to try and figure it out together yeah because you know there are always good and bad times and there's always going to be hard patches and difficult bits and pieces and all that kind of stuff and you know if the first time you hit the skids you you call it quits and you walk away then you know that's that's not what a good um a uh, good relationship looks like, I think. But at the same time, you shouldn't tr- keep trying for too long either. Well, so I wonder, so I've been grappling with this because we're getting married next year and it's been on my mind a lot. And, you know, the model I was raised with, my mo- my mother was married twice uh, to my brother's dad and then my dad. And she's looking for another serious relationship kind of here in the, her, in her later years now. And her attitude and kind of what she spoke to me was, you know, marriage is a commitment that's important. And to, to her, it was when you marry someone, their family, meaning I will always have your back. You will always be an important part of my life, but I'm not necessarily going to stay in relationship with you if it's hindering my growth, right. And my well-being. Mm. And I appreciated that. And it's true. I mean, my, I grew up going to Christmas at my mother's ex-husband's house. Like there, you know, that there was a family feeling for both of her ex-husbands and and there still is. Um, but as I reached my own stage of life, looking at marriage, I started to recognize that adopting her kind of frame that, well, I'm really only committing as long as it continues to serve my growth. And and there's a strong probability that I'll outgrow this relationship Mm -hmm. uh, to some extent prevented me from really stepping fully in, you know? And so, yeah, I hear you. And I agree. And there's, there's a part of me that's been grappling with, well, yes, I totally agree that staying in an unhealthy, unhappy relationship indefinitely is a terrible idea. Um, but are we as a generation moving too far in the other direction where we, we forget what commitment really is like? Um, I sometimes wonder, I mean, the only, the only constant is change, right? 
Mm-hmm. like everything is constantly changing around us and in, inside us and you know they say that people don't change but that's utter bollocks <laughs> agreed and i think there's something in there where you know the best you can hope for is that you you don't have to evolve in the same way but you have to evolve in compatible ways mm-hmm. and if there is something like if if to take a friendship as an example, if our friendship evolves in a way that is not compatible, like if I uh, start doing stuff that you're like, look, you can't be my friend if you're going to do this shit. Right. Or if you start doing stuff where I'm like, ah, you're a raging racist now, Kate. This is not okay with me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> to pick the least likely example out of the air. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel there is a point where I get to tell you, hey, I don't feel good about this relationship anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we think this should continue, we need to find a middle ground where we can both be okay. Yeah. Where I ask for what I need and you ask for what you need. And if there is, if those two things are compatible, then great, our, our friendship can continue. Yeah. And I think that's true for friendships. That's true for romantic relationships. That's true for so many things. But that's also true for, you know, parents giving up on their kids or kids giving up on their parents. At some point you have to go, you know what? Blood is thicker than water, but this is just not a healthy relationship at this point. Yeah, and that you know brings up in me, you know, maybe it's not this dichotomy of of strong eternal commitment versus more fluid commitment, but rather, you know, am I showing up in the relationship fully? Mm. Am I allowing the person to grow and change? Am I voicing what I'm really feeling? You know, there, there's these. I don't know that commitment is the thing that's going to keep a relationship alive if that's the only thing that's there. You know. Yeah. In either direction, lack of commitment or strong commitment. If you're not participating with the person in front of you and, and, uh, staying in relationship, then yeah, the relationship may evolve past you and, uh, you'll wake up one day and it's, you know, beyond you at that point. Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was playing Angry Birds. (laughs) Exactly. That kind of thing, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. I think that's real. I think that's true. And I don't know how to do that. You know, I just don't know how to, um, and I think that has actually been, you, you started this, um, this conversation by asking what has changed in me. Mm-hmm. And I think these are all dynamics that I've never really thought about before where mm. I now am. And I now feel like, oh yeah, there is actually a whole bunch of really delicious, um, dynamics that I haven't been aware of that I'm now starting to tackle, um, I've been in therapy for the past uh, couple of years now, and I just found myself a new therapist. And that's only ever been uh, virtual. So I've only ever seen her own video. Um, and that's been a really good example of a, of a, per definition, very intimate and full of trust relationship that has evolved just over video. And it's been really positive. It's been really powerful. So you mentioned some delicious, you know, dynamics that are starting to emerge for you that you weren't necessarily thinking about before or weren't aware of any of them come to mind that feel particularly relevant for you right now? Well, I think I've actually been really good at revisiting, like revisiting my friendships and revisiting my relationships and thinking about, okay, what do I get out of this relationship? What does the other person get out of this relationship and how can we co-create what we actually want this relationship to be, you know? Mm, I like that. And there are friends that I've decided to cut out out of my life during this pandemic who are like, oh, can we do a Zoom? Can we do this? Can we do that? And it wasn't that I didn't have time. It wasn't that I didn't have energy, but I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with this relationship. I feel like I haven't gotten anything out of it for years. I, I am not interested when you speak and it doesn't feel like you're truly listening to me when I speak. And there's no, there's 
there's understanding, but there's no empathy. And, and where that was mutual, where I realized, wait a minute, there is just no two-way connection here. Mm. Like, why am I wasting my time and energy trying to maintain something that isn't worth maintaining? Mm. Um, can I ask a question about that? Yes, you can. Do you feel like the bar has risen? Like you've now felt what it's like to have deeper, more meaningful, more empathetic relationships and therefore those relationships perhaps you've outgrown or did something fundamentally change within those relationships such that they're no longer that feeding you in the way that you'd like them to? There's two ways of looking at that, I think. One is, uh, you know, the bar has gone up, which makes me sound like a wonderful person. (laughs) But I think actually the opposite is true. Uh, My patience has gone down. I just don't. Mm. I think at some point I realized that life is too fucking short for small talk. I want big talk. I want to talk to friends who are willing to have heart open, meaningful conversations about stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. And those conversations for me, as a relative introvert, take a tremendous amount of energy. But they don't take that much more energy than sitting and doing small talk with somebody for an hour. You know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, look, if I'm going to commit my resource of energy to a conversation and a friendship, I want to do that with a friendship where, you know, uh, it feels like it's real. It feels like it's powerful. It feels like it's mutual. It feels like it's nourishing and all those things. So I think that is realistic of what has happened where I've just gone, I just b- become less patient. Um, yeah. And part of it is like, I'm turning 40 next year. I'm like, I get to be a grumpy old fucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I love that you're owning that. It, it occurs to me though, that it it's also a level of discernment. You know, I think that for me, you know, the more that I've been able to be discerning in who I have close connections with and spend my time with, it, it actually is a way of self-honoring. Mm. You know, it's recognizing I don't have to be there for everyone in order to be a good and valuable person. And I can make choices about who I spend my time with. And actually that's discernment, that's healthy, that's boundaries, and that's self-love. Yeah. Does it feel that way to you? Or did I just totally project all over you? No, that, that actually... I mean, all the words fit, mm-hmm. but emotionally, I, yeah, I guess I'm just kind of, I'm, I guess I might be a little bit hard on myself, but I definitely have a feeling of just, I think it's driven by impatience. I think it's driven by, again, being cooped up, being, feeling a little bit trapped, feeling a little bit uh, like cornered. All those feelings are, are true and real and, and valid. Um and I think sometimes it's just okay to say, you know what, I don't need to talk to somebody on the phone or on Zoom right now. Or if I have something scheduled, I sometimes might just have to cancel it and go, you know what, no, I just need to sit in, sit in silence, read my book. That isn't about you. That's about me kind of thing. Kind of take a shot at empathizing with what you just said and see if I get it closer. Go on. I'm wondering if what I'm hearing is that there's been a way in which you've been kind of contained and cooped up in yourself and now you're allowing yourself or moving into a space where you're more free in who you are and your expression and your relationships are a mirror of that. Is that what I'm hearing? One day, Kate, your optimism will rub off on me and I will be a completely different human being. <laughs> okay, I'll stop trying. I'll just let you... No, but I mean, I feel like this is actually, this podcast is turning into a bit of a masterclass of communication because it's, you're not wrong. And what you are describing is how I would love to show up in the world and how I would love for that to actually feel for me. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something to that. I'm going to have to sit with that for a little bit. Well, I appreciate that you're... 
I appreciate that you're not just accepting my definition, that you're sitting with, huh, okay, yeah, sort of, but there's some kind of like affect within me or feeling within me that doesn't quite get captured in what you just said. So I'm, I'm actually really appreciating that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've been pretty deep in the pits, to be honest. I've been pretty depressed. I've had a pretty shitty time. It's been really, the past couple of months have been extraordinarily rough. And I think maybe my inner emotional landscape of how I identify the fact that I'm even using the words inner emotional landscape is uh, <laughs> past, past me would be impressed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just so different from how how other people express what I'm what I'm going through, and maybe that's okay. Maybe it's just that I'm um, having a hard time, and so I kind of uh, lean towards pessimism as my way through. Or maybe there's something else to that. But I'm. Um, or maybe I'm doing exactly what my therapist is regularly accusing me of, which is uh, <laughs> taking any compliment or any nice thing somebody says to me and turning it into a negative. So maybe there's a little bit of that going on as well. Well, either way, I I think that there's some value in slowing down, checking yourself out and saying, do I want to spend time mm -hmm. with this person? And and I, I appreciate that. It sounds like, uh, you know, quarantine and the change throughout your life has, has led to that, that you've been able to choose your time yeah. in a way that really suits you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And I think in the, in my kinder moments, um, I do think like I've made a lot of progress and like I've kind of learned more about what my own boundaries are and how I express those and how to, you know, occasionally speak up for myself, even when me looking after me may cause hurt feelings at the other side of that conversation. Right. Well, it's certainly not your responsibility to the extent that you hold back right. what's true for you. Right. That's, a, that's a good way of right. phrasing that. Yeah. It's almost like you've been studying some psychology, Kate. <laughs> I know. Uh, sorry, I, I can slip into a little therapizing here and there. Sorry about that. Um, no, don't apologize. I'm uh, so this is the this is the evolution I've seen you over the over the course of this podcast. So, if the listener doesn't know, mm. Kate has been doing a course, which you can maybe say a little bit more about. And I think you are in real time applying what you're learning to both your interview technique and in into a lot of other stuff. I think there's been a definite uh, change in the caliber of questions you've been asking of our guests, which has caused much deeper connection. And I think that's a direct result of you both self-reflecting more mm -hmm. and, you know, being a trained professional <laughs> who is doing stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really flattered by that. And uh, I appreciate you noticing a difference in me. That, that feels really good to hear that. Uh, yeah, I've been in graduate school studying counseling psychology. So uh, I, you know, for me, podcasting, is in some ways like my dream job. Like I just mm -hmm. love the time we spend on here because I get to hear, listen to people and, and reflect and connect and, uh, philosophize. And, uh, so yeah, you know, getting the background in counseling psychology, you know, a lot of people who've never been in therapy, even people who have been don't totally know what therapy is about, right? Like, well, what is that? You know, you're going to go in and I'm going to go in and you're going to fix all my problems for me. And yeah, would you? Right. Please just tell me what to do and, and my life will get better. And yeah. that's just how long do I have to stare at this pendulum? Is that what therapy is? <laughs> right. Um, but you know what they teach us in graduate school is 
therapy is about empowering the person to make their own choices and figure out what's true for them and learn communication such that their choices are reflected in their life. And uh, really, therapy is really a lot of training on how to listen. So it's not unlike being a reporter, I would imagine. I was thinking about that, actually. And I think there's a lot of... um... A lot of interview technique is really just about listening very carefully to what somebody is saying and then like, like latching onto the nugget Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, you just said three minutes worth of stuff, but you just said three words that you, you catch a micro expression or you catch a tiny break or you catch a, like something happens in the other person where you go, wait a minute, they just said something really important and they may not even be aware of it themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can hear it. Sometimes it's just like you see it in their face or sometimes it's just kind of obvious because you have context for what they're talking about and you know, wait a minute, I haven't heard them say this one particular thing before. I'm going to ask about that because maybe something has changed or maybe something is hiding behind those words. And that is true for journalism. That's true for like proper muckraking journalism. But I feel like that's also really true for being a friend or for hosting a podcast or for being a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Listening for the deeper truth and the feeling behind the words and uh, bringing it forward. And and oftentimes I feel that as a therapist, you bring forward a nugget that you have an intuition might be meaningful to the person, Mm. but it's the way that they take that nugget and interpret it and apply it. That's really significant. You know, it's, it's not about what I've done or, or what I've, shown shown light on it's how uh the client or the friend or whoever picks that thread up and makes meaning of it right so when the hilarious thing to me is that it's so easy to paradise therapists you all you have to do is say and how does that make you feel (laughs) but honestly that is like in all the therapy I've done, when I'm just ranting about something and the therapist actually stops me and say, okay, tell me that again, but now tell me how you feel. It's mm-hmm. been the most powerful breakthroughs. And I'm like, God damn it. If I were to paradise you, that's exactly what I would say, but it works. <laughs> it's so unfair. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole school of thought called the humanistic, you know, psychology field, uh, that was developed that literally the only technique was I'm going to repeat back what I heard you say. Mm-hmm. And just that mirroring effect of, uh, you know, let's take this a little deeper with, with pulling forward the nuggets, right? Like, like you said, you know, the, right. the emphasizing the feeling words. And I, I want to take this opportunity because I think this is a good transition. And I know that we're nearing our time here, but I, I yeah. want to use this as an opportunity to ask you, what do you think some of the biggest, most shiniest nuggets of this season were for you looking back? Oh man, we had so many awesome episodes. And um, I think for this particular um, season, we actually dug into our Rolodex a little bit deeper. Um, I think the interview you did with Marcy Graham right in the beginning of the episode was so deep and so powerful. yeah, man, I've recommended that podcast to so many people because she covers some ground that is so, uh, so important. Mm-hmm. I also love the one we did with Monica Jane. That was the first one for this season mm-hmm. uh, back in May. Wow, that's a that's a long time ago. <laughs> that one was just really fun because she had such a, I felt like I was in the middle of a laser beam of just mm-hmm. her projecting joy into that microphone and into my soul. And 
for the listener who can't see this, I mean, we don't we don't see each other when we do this podcast. It's audio only. But you can hear her voice in that uh, episode where she's just so passionate and so excited about what she's doing. I absolutely love that episode. Me too. And I think I have to give a little shout out to uh, the one with uh, William Winters as well. Um, he runs this uh, organization here in the Bay Area called uh, Bonobo. And um, they are building a extremely powerful... like tribe of people who are uh, really sex positive and the way that comes out is uh, doing things like uh, hosting um, parties where consensual safe sexual connection with like all the consent conversations that go with that is an important aspect of it Mm -hmm. and I just thought it was really fun to hear his story how he ended up you know, finding his way to starting something like that. Cause I feel like the origin story of that was just so much fun. Yeah, man. It's, a, it's always makes me like tingle with joy looking back on these episodes because we've got some really colorful, deep, thoughtful people here on this episode, this season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Monica Jane was just such a pleasure. She was so vibrant and colorful, but she also just had a lot of expertise. She brought a lot of kind of interesting uh, thoughts and reflections about one's, well, what was the word she used? Like sexual blueprint, right? Your, uh, yeah. So that was really fun to kind of learn from her about that. And then Marcy, a facilitator at High who, I had just referenced, you know, th- was just exquisite in her exploration of um, the relationship between men and women and breaking down and changing patterns of inequality really at its core. Mm. It was of such a pleasure to interview her. And I have to say, I also really loved having my mom on the season this season. It was uh I love that episode, but what I loved even more was the way you kind of uh, broached that idea. Hmm. You're like, should we put my mom on the podcast? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, yes. Um, yeah. Without going too much depth into what happened in that conversation, I thought that was a really, I thought it was such a beautiful example about how good communication can happen between, you know, mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of my mom. It I love our relationship, and it was such a pleasure to have a kind of a public uh, stage for us to talk about our history and our relationship and how we've grown each other. I, I think that really came through in the episode. Yeah, and of course, as I already mentioned, Dixie's episode, the, the episode nine, it was just so joyful. There was just so many funny. I I don't think. So um, I have a broken rib right now, and I was in so much pain after that episode from all the laughing. Oh, no. And I was like, worth it. Absolutely worth it. So worth yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, she just, I'm so glad we saved her for our finale because she just brought it. Um, and I kind of spontaneously asked her halfway through the, se- the episode, would you like share an actual story with us? Because she's a professional storyteller. This is what she does. And... Oh my God, did she blow it out of the water? I thought she just did such a great job on the spot <laughs> to like deliver this amazing story from her life. Yeah. I was totally mesmerized by her story. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been a wonderful season. Um, okay, do you want to do another one? Let's do another one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you may have this dance. <laughs> Aw. Yeah, so um, 
that was a bit of a fake question because I knew the answer. <laughs> so we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, we are kind of regrouping a little bit and and kind of planning out our next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll come back uh, probably later in the year with another season. Yeah, which means we have time for your feedback. So we'll be circling some feedback forms and feel free to write into us at the show. Our contact info is on our website. And we'd love to hear from you, you know, learn a little bit more about what episodes you totally loved. If you have any ideas about who might come on season three, yeah, let us know. I've got a couple of really fun ideas that I haven't even t- told you about. Oh, yet. good. So I look forward to, uh, I look forward to our planning meeting. And there's a, there's a few fun ones. Yay. Well, you always have the best ideas. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. I'm really glad we just took the space to drop in and hang out. Uh, I hope our listeners don't mind, but I sure loved it. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. All right, my friend. Well, uh, we'll see you all sometime soon. Yeah. Enjoy your uh, summer and try and get some sunshine. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute and to learn more about our workshops, please visit our website at hi.org. That's H-A-I.org. This show was produced by my wonderful co-host, Kate Gillespie. And it was edited and co-produced by my equally delightful co-host, Haya Camps. Our introduction music is called Dance With Me, and it is performed and produced by our wonderful high workshop participant, Gypsy Jack Van Brie. It was a pleasure to have you with us. See you soon. Ciao.